Dr. Patakos, thank you for joining us today on Austin Hellenic Radio. You have been described as a modern-day Greek philosopher and are the co-founder of the Opa Way, a new approach to living and working with meaning that is inspired by Greek culture. Tell us more about your background and your philosophical influences. Well, first of all, Michael, thank you for inviting me to be on your show. I greatly appreciate it. Any opportunity to share this meaning-focused message is very well appreciated. Basically, my background comes along two tracks. One, it's, I'm a political scientist, and I was trained as a political scientist as well as was a political science professor, including a department graduate program head for quite a while. And then I also have a background in psychology and mental health. And I worked in the mental health field for quite a number of years, starting in the work of therapy and then moving into mental health administration. So those are kind of the two main tracks. My philosophy of life has been probably influenced by a number of people. If I can kind of just share besides some of the obviously Greek philosophers from ancient times, including some great thinkers of today, I've been influenced by some major political scientists over the years who've helped craft my vision of what good government ought to be like. I've also been influenced very intimately by a famous psychiatrist and existential philosopher by the name of Viktor Frankl, who wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning, among others. And Dr. Frankl was the impetus and personally encouraged me to write my book, Prisoners of Our Thoughts, which is now in 20 languages, including a soon-to-be-released edition in Greek. And as you just mentioned, you are the author of the best-selling book, Prisoners of Our Thoughts. What inspired you to write this book, and what is some of the advice which you share with your readers? Well, I mean, obviously, Prisoners of Our Thoughts, just by its title, is intriguing for most people because everybody knows someone who they would consider to be a prisoner of their thoughts or maybe even themselves, as well as there are a lot of people who've kind of held other people prisoner in their thoughts, and therefore they don't change their outlook, their perspective, and it makes it very difficult to engage in a sort of meaningful relationship. And this includes people at the policy government level and corporations, personal relationships, and so forth. So the thing that really inspired me was a long time, really, lifelong, if you will, uh, interest in and passion for helping to understand not only the deeper meaning of my life, but also to help inspire other people with whom I've worked to find the deeper meaning in their life, including their work life. And that was really kind of the thing that really got me going is, is the frustration of seeing people manifest behaviors and have attitudes that I don't consider to be very healthy and certainly not something, I mean, just witness what's been going on with so-called Black Friday as a so-called holiday. The behavior that we see in that type of day is not something that I would consider to be very meaning-focused. And those are the kinds of things that kind of drove me to write Prisoners of Our Thoughts. In your writings and talks, you have sought wisdom from Greek philosophy. And with the current crisis in Greece, you're looking to share the lessons about how Greeks are persevering during this difficult time to share these lessons around the world. Tell us about the lessons that we can learn from the perseverance of the Greek people. Let me put that in context, too, because I think one of the problems, and I'm, again, given the short nature of our interview today, is I just want to make it clear that besides the crisis that we see in Greece, as well as not just across Europe, but also here in North America, because we're certainly not that far behind in many respects in terms of the economic, social, cultural, political uh, challenges that we have to, to face. 
But Greece is not only facing an economic crisis, it's facing more than just a structural crisis, a crisis of corruption, a crisis of competence. So in my view, Greece is really facing a crisis of spirit. And so the idea here is, is that much of what's been going on, as reported by the media, who, by the way, I consider to be part of the problem, not part of the solution for Greece, because they basically highlight all the problems, and they very rarely, if ever, seem to, uh, to, to, to point to any solution about how we, other than saying, let's throw the bombs out. But that doesn't necessarily deal with the deeper-seated uh, issues. And so the resilience factor that we're observing in Greece, uh, un unfortunately, doesn't get uh, shared in the media very frequently. And so there are a lot of people that uh, are not part of the, the anarchist uh, protests, uh, and even the people who are part of the protests, in many respects, are able to adapt to situations that I'm not sure if Americans, for example, would be able to, to deal with. And so we're seeing a lot of creativity. We see a lot of innovation uh, in Greece that, again, does not get uh, uh, emphasized. And um, we actually just not too long ago in September uh, conducted a seminar for one of the ministries in Athens. Uh, I'll, I'm going to be on a panel dealing with reforming the, uh, the state in Greece uh, in March in Las Vegas, Nevada, with representatives from Greece, uh, not just the academic and government sectors, but also the bank of Greece. And so, you know, we're seeing a lot of things that unfortunately are not, you know, that Greece has been kind of the whipping boy uh, or whipping girl, uh, if you will, and uh, it's being seen as being kind of the problem. Uh, and if anything, I see Greece as really being, uh, again, leading the way out of the abyss into what really ought to be uh, focusing on what really matters. And so hopefully we're going to see not just structural changes taking place, but we'll see a revitalization and a rediscovery of the soul of really what makes Greece, Greeks, and all things Greek uh, really important. Do you have any examples of some of this positive perseverance taking place in Greece that you would like to share with our listeners? Well, I mean, yeah, definitely. Now, in our new book that we're writing on the Opal Way, um, which is, is grounded, as you pointed out, grounded not only in philosophy that goes back as far as the, uh, the ancient Minoans, but also you know, really draws upon some of the core embedded values of Greek culture in traditional villages. Um, we're seeing people who are not only resilient in the sense that they are not the people that are necessarily highlighted again by the media, but they're, they're rediscovering some values that they learn from their parents or grandparents and from their even their ancient ancestors and so we're starting to see people for example who are not only helping others and, and this is again not just in the villages outside of the, the major metropolitan areas but this is even even in places like Athens I mean if you get away uh, from uh, some of the the focal points, you'll start to see people not only doing things that are, uh, and, and you probably, I'm sure for me with as well, they're doing things that not only help each other, uh, they're doing things such as re returning to uh, you know, things like bartering. Um, they're actually acknowledging the fact that there are certain values that are traditional to the culture that revolve around honor and hospitality and so forth that again, don't get the kind of attention. And these are the things that are actually helping people get through what is important. And we have interviewed hundreds of people who, uh, during the crisis, for example, who, who recognize the fact that, that maybe they or their ancestors, their relatives, had gone through much worse times than what the economic crisis is representing. And if anything, in, in some respects, you, we start to see people respect and actually return to not just village life, because many of them, as I know you're aware, are going back to the village um, and to a more rural type of life, but they're starting to realize that some of the materialism, 
some of the issues regarding what's really important to them, what do they really need, um, are going back to a more simpler, healthier approach, there are many more people that are doing that than are getting uh, acknowledged and recognized. And so that's part of the resilience factor is that people start to, when you go through this existential crisis, existential uh, uh, angst, those are typically the times when people start to look at what really is important in life and kind of discard some of the things that really they, they recognize. And this, again, some of this is philosophically grounded in, in our ancient in our ancestors. Uh, don't really matter. We don't need some of the things to live a life that is uh, a good life that's that's living meaningful. And if we if we start to look at ourselves only in the context of what goes on in Western Europe and in North America and look at some of the things that we think are important, we recognize sometimes that they're not. And so I think the Greeks going through this crisis are going to be offering role models and best practices that other countries, including those like Canada and the U.S., can learn a great deal from. Looking not just at a Greek crisis, but at the global crisis in general, you've stated that the real crisis that the world is experiencing is not the economic crisis, but a crisis of meaning. Describe this crisis of meaning for us. Well, meaning actually, uh, if, if we go back to back to the ancient Greeks, we can actually find that some of the uh, some of the, in, in the Greek language, some of the words that reflect uh, or that that can be translated in English as meaning also have translations that uh, also reflect what I referred to earlier as a crisis of spirit. And so many of the things, a deeper meaning, and Victor Frank would say this, is that the primary intrinsic motivator of all human beings is a search for meaning. And meaning in many respects is that that energy, that fuel that drives us. And there's a, a, a very strong spiritual dimension to that. And so when we talk about the crisis of meaning, again, this is very closely related to and associated with the crisis of spirit. It's elevating the human spirit when times are, are tough, not just when things are going well. There's actually going to be a quote, um, and you'll see this in our new book on the Oprah Way, that we add to the, to, the, to the familiar saying that where there's a will, there's a way, and we're adding to that that where there's a purpose, there's a will. And so the notion about OPA, the P in OPA, is actually refers to engaging with deeper purpose. And that's part of what we're starting to see is that many of the, the more resilient people that are able to go through uh, hardships, and we're not just talking about economic hardships, we're talking about you know, things that they could be a, a illness or disease or they're going through civil war or strife or they're, you know, they're transitioning uh, into retirement, that, that, that by helping people engage with a deeper purpose in their life, that that's where they can find that will to not just survive but thrive. And so that's part of, again, the Opal Way is about engaging uh, with deeper purpose. It's also about connecting meaningfully with others, and then it's also about embracing all of life, the joys, the ups and the downs with attitude. And so that acronym that we've kind of uh, defined OPA, which OPA obviously has other meanings and so forth, uh, going back to the uh, ancient writings of Homer, but our notion of OPA, as we're writing about it in the OPA way, really enables people to build that resilience factor and to get through some of the toughest times that uh, are part of life. Frequently, you refer not just to ancient writings, but also to the folk wisdom of the Greek people and utilize it to offer practical advice about modern-day problems. What can we learn from Greek folk wisdom? So much. I mean, I mean, again, in a short interview, it's very difficult. This is really what we're encapsulating in our new book, The Opal Way, which is subtitled uh, Ageless Wisdom uh, for Living and Working with Meaning. And so much of the ancient, I mean, this is, this is things that I've learned from my papu and my yaya and, and my parents and, and, and relatives all over. I mean, we all have, uh, Michael, you know, probably thousands of cousins 
uh, across Greece that, uh, and across the, uh, the, the planet that uh, are offering us uh, these tidbits, these nuggets that are really important. And a lot of times we kind of discard them and say, well, that's not part of, the, of living in the 21st century. And so many of the, the things that I've learned and I'm sure that you've learned uh, that are not just traditional village wisdom uh, and sayings, and, and if, if any listeners want to know learn more about this besides reading the book when it comes out, you can go to our website, and you can also follow us on Twitter because we put up, we post a lot of those on our on our Twitter uh, as tweets, as well as on our Facebook page and so forth, so that we can share with people between now and the time, obviously, the book comes out. What are some of the philosophical uh, foundations, and what are some of the the, the village traditional village wisdom uh, nuggets that are really important for living the open way? And but there's so many of them that are seem so simple, yet they're so profound and they're so life uh, engaging and life changing in some respects. That what again, what really is important in our life, and the more that we can get in touch with that, uh, and many of those things, you know, bring us back to some core values that are are deeply embedded in, in the Greek DNA. I mean, things like philotimo, which unfortunately we've seemed to be, I don't know, we've kind of lost that in the in the postmodern era. But trying to understand some of not just the ancient philosophy around this this whole honorable virtue, but also how there are some village uh, uh, wisdom and advice that will allow us to understand that there are certain things that are part of who we are, part of the Greek character that we can live today. Do you have any particular favorite uh, nuggets of wisdom that you'd like to give us an example? You mentioned a moment ago, for instance, philotimo as a quality in the Greek character. And for our non-Greek listeners that might not be familiar with philotimo, could you even talk about that for a moment? Well, I remember going and my wife and I were uh, traveling as part of our many times our personal odyssey in Greece. And I remember being in one village and we were just coming into a small uh, hotel and we were going to go out for dinner that evening. And the, the hotel manager was talking to us about his village and the area around uh, where, the, where the hotel was located. And he was recommending some places to go. And some of the places required a longer distance to walk because there was no taxi. And, and it was basically one to make sure since we were coming from the States that we felt comfortable walking to the restaurant and this is a, a very insightful kind of thought this is the way he described it he said don't worry you can walk anywhere from the hotel we have low criminals here and the notion behind low criminals and we ended up talking to him about this later had nothing to do because there were no there was no real police department or you know major law enforcement initiative like we would have in many places that we're more familiar with but the idea was is that it would be a dishonor for somebody in this village to actually commit a crime and the notion was is that the community effectively self-policed itself on the individual level because the notion of this love of honor this notion that it would be unimaginable for somebody to go and steal somebody's purse or to do something that would be uh, reflecting of, unfortunately, what we seem to see. I mean, nobody would pepper spray somebody to go buy something in a store. And so the notion here of honor is something that goes well beyond what we're familiar with in our culture because we assume that we have to invest a lot in law enforcement, policing, protection, and so forth because we can't trust our neighbors and so forth. And so the idea here was that this notion of honor is something that is deeply embedded in that culture. And what we're trying to do through the open way is to re redirect our moral compass, if you will, so part of what we do is more focused on honor and so that we don't have to always, we have to be reflective of ourselves and understand what, why are we doing what we do. And so that's part of what this whole notion of honor is, is, is we honor ourselves, we honor each other, 
we respect each other. And I know that that doesn't get you know described very well in the media these days for what's going on in Greece. But I can guarantee you that in our travels across Greece, we see a lot more of that than we see of what's going on in Tantana Square. Recently, in an interview with Kathimerini in Greece, you said that despite the problems in Greece currently, the country will soon see a new golden age. Tell us more about what you foresee for Greece's future. What I foresee is basically, I mean, first of all, as a political scientist, I'm obviously been infatuated ever since uh, my youngest years in politics, in government, in democracy. And Greece being known as not only the cradle of Western civilization, but also kind of the birthplace of democratic principles, to me, it's still, to this day, it's a very small country, about 11 million people. It's still a laboratory of democracy. And as a laboratory of democracy, I would say that what we're seeing right now is Greece, through all the things that we're seeing as frustrating uh, uh, as seeing uh, visions on television, uh, protests, and so forth, and the magnitude of the problems that we see out there, in many respects, we're seeing Greece go through a period of creative destruction. And through that period of creative destruction, it, it once again is becoming a laboratory of democracy. And it's redefining, if you will, what democracy should look like in this 21st century. And so part of what's going to happen, you know, because, because it is a smaller country, it, it can, as, and again, this is not in any way to minimize or marginalize the significance of the problems that individuals are facing in the country. And I know many of them who are. But the idea here is is that out of this darkness, if you will, of all the frustration and all of the problems with the EU and the, the Eurozone and so forth, Greece is starting to reorient. It will. I mean, it, it, at some point, it's going to have to reorient how we live on at least an individual local level to do some of the things that we were talking about earlier, whether or not the political system and the structure of government, the structure of the public-private relationships change quickly enough, we'll see. But ultimately, I believe that they will change for the better. I'm obviously an optimist. I'm a true optimist. And because Greece is going to be going through this process first, it's kind of first in line in this economic crisis path, if you will, is that Greece will end up being kind of once again looked at for models of behavior, models of change. How do we go through transitions like this, both on a macro level as well as individually? How do people go through? That's part of what this book that we're writing is about. Go through the kind of life transitions that are incredibly formidable challenges because we're going to have to learn that here in the United States and in Canada and Australia and the Europe, Canada and so forth as they go through similar kinds, hopefully not as severe, but similar kinds of challenges. And so to me, the second goal of age of Greece is really an opportunity for Greece to be on center stage, if you will, and be you know able to provide most like consultation services to these other nations who are going to be going through similar circumstances. Where can our listeners find out more about your writings, your books, your webinars and talk and public appearances? Well, our main website is www.theopalway.com. It's also uh, theopalway.gr for those uh, in Greece and, and .ca for our Canadian friends, Greek Canadians. And they can also follow us at The Opalway on Twitter which will enable them to not only get some more of these more specific philosophical quotes and uh, some of the village wisdom nuggets that I was referring to, uh, you can get those and you can actually see some of those on our Twitter page as well. And you can also uh, befriend us or like us on Facebook. So kind of stay up to date to find out what we're doing, where we're speaking, when the book is going to be released and so forth. Wonderful. Well, Dr. Patakos, thank you very much for taking the time to join us today on Austin Hellenic Radio. Michael, thank you so much for having me.